Welcome to the Software Tech Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and today we're talking to Louis Gasparini, founder and CEO of Covalt, a digital encryption mobile app. Louis, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me here. So let's dive into to the issue of keeping digital consumer data and our own personal data and documents safe by telling me a little bit about the founding of Covalt and, and how your path kind of led to this company. Well, first off, Covalt is, in addition to documents, it's all about your personal identifiable information, your ID. It's about identities also, and actually more primarily. But documents that describe you are part of your identity. I've been interested in identity since identity started on the internet. Um, I was in charge of building the first online banking system at Wells Fargo back in 1996, and Wells were the first bank to do that. So I've always been enamored um, with uh, identity, what it means to identify yourself on the internet. Um, How do you identify yourself for more high assurance services other than just simply a username, a password, or Google or Facebook login? Been involved in that for quite some time. Um, Actually started a company focused on a consumer authentication called Passmark Security. When phishing first started, how do you know it's the real site or not? The idea I had was put put an image on the site so only you and the site know that image. This way you type in your username and then uh, the site says, do we think this is Shelby on her machine by doing some data analytics, perhaps some machine uh, scoring, and then show Shelby an image only she and the bank knows so she knows it's the real bank. And the bank knows she's really Shelby because we've looked at her, her devices in detail. So started that company called Passmark Security. You might have seen it out there. Some of the major banks have picked it up. Uh, we sold the company to RSA. I stayed at RSA for a few years as CTO, and then started another company which transitioned into what is now Personal Capital. Um, so the co-founder there also. At some point, we should all have digital identities. You know, it should be a lot easier for us to prove who we are than, than it is today. Everybody seems to agree with that. How's it going to look? Who are the players going to be? What are the actors? What are the flows flows going to be? That's what I've been interested in. I joined BBVA a large global bank that's extremely aggressive uh, with technology. They remind me of the old Wells Fargo. Um, and they had given me some funding to play around with uh, what does it mean to uh, create an issue and use digital identities. And that started what has become what is now Cobalt. Originally, we were focused primarily on identities, but you know it's a two-sided marketplace. How do you start that marketplace? Not enough people have it, so nobody wants to accept them. And, Nobody wants to have them because nobody accepts them. So we decided to create, in creating our original vision for it, we basically did some interesting things. We figured identities should be something that you control, that you fully control, like you do today. You've got, a, you know, you've got your driver's license and your purse and your credit card and your membership card and your health card and everything else that you know proves who you are. It should be like that. You should be, you know, given an identity that you can control. And with you know the mobile devices that we have nowadays and the security on that, I think it's an excellent place to, to use as a cornerstone to, to enable the foundational security to make this happen. We're a mobile app. Uh, we create uh, keys on the phone, locked by your fingerprint or face glance. Um, I recently got the, the iPhone X. I love the way the glance is working with your eyeballs to, to unlock those keys. So we issue you an identity. We'll talk more about the identities in a second and how they're issued. But once they're issued, we issue an identity. You encrypt it with keys you control. We'll store it up in the cloud so you can't, if you lose your phone, you can recover somehow. But they're your keys. We're, we're blind to it. We're blind, blind to the encryption. So we allow you to store that identity up there. Well, why not put other stuff up there also? There's still a never-going 
issue with usernames and passwords is getting better and better, but it's still not solved. But more importantly, what about stuff in your filing cabinet at home, birth certificate, your marriage license, your deed, your health insurance, tax information? Where are you going to store that? Google Drive? Dropbox? Maybe. You know, maybe, maybe not. What if I gave you a secure place to store all of that and you were fully in control of the keys and you could selectively share it with others and share it with control, share it for this particular usage under these conditions? And you can revoke that, that sharing. And you can do that with both documents and, and, and your identities. Uh, and what if these documents were even certified so that the person receiving them knows it's a good document that was signed by somebody? So we see that whole future unfolding, and that's what Cobalt's all about. So as far as both the um, the consumer side and then the business side of things, let's start with the consumer. At the very basic level, what is the alternative? I mean, let's talk at the basic analog level. How are people handling their documents, and why is that so risky? First off, if you're keeping them in your filing cabinet, you've got to worry about you know things that burn. With the unfortunate Napa fires that happened in California last year, you know, people lost their homes and uh, things happen. So the, the need to have electronic versions of this, and as things become more and more electronic or could be photocopied, or imaged, you know, why not have an electronic safety deposit box that you can store stuff in? So it sort of ma- it sort of makes sense. And, and you know, and then as you start thinking as we move forward, that these documents are then digitally signed, and it can be proven that they're authentic. Be authentic that you have that document. You. You have the deed to your home. Uh, you are that homeowner or, or your car ownership or, or whatever it might be. That makes life a lot more easier right, in the future. Right. So we see that. So we see the transition towards that. You know, Dropbox and, and uh, Google Drive is great for general documents. They're fantastic. And, and it, they are good to put, you know, sensitive documents there. They're not necessarily blind. Everybody do a lot more work yourself to privately encrypt it before you put it up there. We package that all together, make it easy to use. We use some of the best security uh, features, encryption features available um, on both Android and, and iOS in order to accomplish that. And then also keep it backed up for you in case you lose it, um, that you can recover it. And then with the password that you know, you can unlock it again yourself. And so from a business standpoint, I mean, obviously we hear all the headlines about the challenges of staying ahead of digital security, uh, simply because as soon as there's one thing patched, there's kind of another breach opened up. So how is is Cobalt helping businesses that are most vulnerable to that to be able to kind of compete? Exactly. No, that's a great question. And, you know, one thing what we're doing is we're eliminating the single point of attack. You know, you talk about a company breach. So if, if, if Cobalt in and of itself was breached, it's got strong encrypted data, but that then that's it. They don't have the keys. Cobalt doesn't have the keys. The keys are on the individual phones so, or, and the individual holds the keys. So they're distributed amongst, you know, the whole population that uses the service. So in order to attack the data, you've got to attack all the endpoints. Um, and that gets very difficult. That gets very difficult. And with the latest technologies and mobile apps, they're doing a great job of locking that. These things are getting to be very secure. Um, and so we're leveraging that, and that really diminishes, if not in some cases, pretty much eliminate the attack points, the attack vectors. You've got to get very, very targeted uh, to attack somebody now. From the merchant side also, and, 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 and we talked about documents, but as I said in the beginning, this is really a lot about identity. So I could use my identity for onboarding. I mean, shouldn't I be able to sign up for sharing economy services as either a provider or user of those services, new financial services, legal services, government services. Shouldn't I be able to easily sign up with that by just going to the site 
and give me my fingerprint to approve and my data is securely shared between myself and that site only. Right. Um, and then that site has data that's signed and encrypted by an issuer that said, yeah, I've, I know Shelby, they're a bank customer of mine. Uh, I've gone through a full bank level KYC. I, they, I do an OFAC check uh, nightly on, on Shelby's ID. Might even want to say things like credit worthiness or average daily balance, again, with Shelby's consent, uh, to, be, to be shared with that, with that entity so that they can make a much more streamlined, frictionless onboarding. Of sharing economy vendors that have onboarding screens that are 10, 20, 30 pages. What if you get it down to three or four where you're just giving an authorization looking at what you're sharing, give consent and go. It's a lot better. And, and the merchant has, loses, has less risk. They might not need, need all that data. Do they need your passport or do they need to know you have a valid passport? And perhaps they can get it if they need it. There's a lot of benefit for the, for the merchant. Streamlined, frictionless onboarding, less uh, dropout rate, more improved conversion, and less risk of having to hold a lot of data that may, that might not be necessary. Well, you mentioned that the sharing economy, and, and that is a good point because that's something that um, a lot of people are now experiencing, that whether they are a solopreneur or they are joining some of the app-enabled businesses like Uber and all those sorts of things, they're finding that they are very vulnerable to releasing their information. It seems like handing over your, your social security number, it shouldn't be as blasé as it's become, but that's kind of what happens, right? Exactly. It's, it's exactly true. And, and in the end, do those entities even really need or want right. your SSN? No, the only reason they're doing it is because that's how lookups happen to, to do uh, identity checks with third-party vendors that they're looking to verify your identity. And actually, I like bank identities. I mean, bank identities um, are regulated, you know, kyc uh, OFAC check, uh, you know, I think banks and financial institutions are in a great position to leverage their relationship with their customers, offer their customers a value-added service, and offer merchants, um, you know, a verified identity. Uh, there's a whole ecosystem there. The, the merchants need this anyway. They're either building it themselves or, or paying, you know, to have it done. You know, what if we give a more streamlined, frictionless, secure, easy way to do this? And perhaps the issuer can monetize their customer information with the customer consent. Maybe even the customer gets a rev share because uh, they're they. We talk about people should be able to monetize their own data. Maybe that's possible in, in the future too. That's interesting that you mentioned that because that's uh, something that I've heard in the telemedicine area, but especially about your electronic medical records and being able to monetize your personal information, your medical information. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that's never been an option within the medical space. So you're saying that that's, that's also possible here just with our identities. Right. It's identities or even medical information. So now I, I, I'm flipping between both identities and documents because in my mind, they're pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. Your medical documents about you, it's part of your identity value. It's, it's all very related. So with your vault and co-vault, you should be able to store all your information and then selectively share it, again, under proper conditions, what's the consent, the proper use. Um, and perhaps it, if there's a, a revenue model, you know, you get paid for this. And these are the conditions of the contract. I see that all coming. And, uh, and to do that, we've got to put the user, the customer, in direct control. And that's what we're trying to do with Cobalt, is to put the um, identity owner, the owner of that information, back in full control. They consent, uh, they privately share, they can revoke, they know what's going on, they have rights. 
Um, that, that, that's how I think the world will unfold as, as we move forward. And, you know, that, and that's the picture and system that we're, we're, we're painting here at Cobalt. Well, the, uh, the possibilities sound uh, really interesting. As a ordinary consumer, though, I'm, I'm curious, what is the very closest thing existing right now to something like this? I mean, is it the, the, the credit unions, like the Equifax that have our entire credit worthiness on file? Or is it what's the closest thing to this existing right now? That's a great one to bring up. Look at the credit unions. They have all that information on you. And guess what? There is no direct relationship between you and that credit union. You've never signed up with them. What rights do you have with them directly? There's no direct relationship between you and them. Um, there should be. I think I think the direct relationships are things like between you and your bank, you and your uh, insurance company. Um, and those things you know, should be able to be asserted to by the issuer of your information, whether it's your insurance or or deed or government, um, and then and then that should be used you know, to, to streamline your life a lot better. And we're looking at that; these documents could be stored in your vault. Right. So this this vault, then, I mean, it's it's a, a cloud vault that uh, that you have the key to. So I think it's interesting then that the differentiator here is the local security, basically the the fingerprint and encryption or the gosh, what's yeah, what's the, what's the I one called? Um, the, the face, oh, face ID. Yes, face ID. That's right. That's right. Yeah, face ID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that has is that the differentiator then between this and all of the other digital security measures that we've had in the past? But I guess we've just had passwords before. Yes, exactly. I mean, like I said, I've been involved in security and authentication from the beginning on the on the internet here, and I, I think this is the highest best type security um, combination that, that's available today. We're striving to make the best, most convenient security that there is and to mitigate risk um, by putting the user in control of their information and of, of, of the encryption of that information at the endpoint. Uh, you know, if the encryption happens at the server, well, then the, the keys are there and they're potentially visible. If the encryption happens on your phone, um, well, then your phone must also be yeah. compromised. And, you know, the hundreds of thousands of folks that use a service like this or whatever number there is in the future, uh, it's a lot more difficult. With every pro of technology, there's always a con. And so if the differentiator here is that it is local and it is biometric, I haven't read about any vulnerabilities for biometric identification on phones. Um, have there been some of some incidents in the news that uh, that you're keeping an eye on to make sure that this still is the very securest way to um, have our information locked down? No, I think I think it is. I think it is. I think the biggest concern is you know still friends and family. Yeah. So, for example, with your fingerprint, you can add your partner, child, whatever friend. So whoever you want, you could add somebody else's fingerprint to your phone, and then they got your fingerprint. What we do to mitigate that, hopefully in the future, I'm, I'm hoping Apple and others will allow sort of profiles. This is me. This this is you know somebody else, and then we can restrict it to you. What what we've done now is again we we understand what the potential um, act vectors or open problem vectors are, and how to mitigate it best. When you enroll in our service on on, on the iPhone, we know which fingerprints exist at that time you know basically we're saying you know hey shelby are, are you comfortable using fingerprint from this phone to use to be the authenticator you say yes now later if you add a fingerprint or change something we know that the next time you come into our app 
And we, we, and we currently make a decision, whoa, wait, Shelby, something's changed. We're not sure what. Let's go through a stronger verification to make sure it's you one more time. Uh, as onboarding with us, we take a copy of your driver's license passport and we take a selfie or a picture of you and match it. And then if that matches, then we'll give you the opportunity to use your password to recover. So we, you know, we, we do things like that. So if you added a new fingerprint, we might do an extra step like that. Hey, something's changed. Uh, let's re-verify it's you still. And if, and if we're all happy, okay, fine. Yeah, you just made a fingerprint change. That's fine. As long as you're happy, we're happy. But if you're having friends and family on your phone, you know, that, that something you shouldn't do. So a lot of us have already seen some of this fingerprint, especially when you are logging into your bank or onto um, some of your electronic medical records. Um, it'll ask, do you want to use a finger fingerprint verification for that? Um, and so that is an alternate, I guess, if you're on your mobile, you can use that. Or if you're on desktop or um, you would use your normal password, does then Covalt only exist on, on mobile? No. What we do is on the desktop, we actually um, ask for your Covalt ID. And then we'll send a notification request to your mobile to authorize access to the desktop. You authorize that with your fingerprint. And then we send some temp we do some sophisticated sending of temporary keys around in order to make it uh, more usable. But in the end, the, the passwords or the keys are at the endpoints. We, ne we never see the keys. Fascinating stuff. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see this uh, materialize and this take hold. Louis, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you listeners for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more, listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries. Subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk.